Lord Jesus, thank you for reconciling us back into yourself and welcoming us into your home. Open our hearts now, Lord, that we might hear from you. It's in your name that we pray these things. Amen. Please be seated. So again, welcome here to Restoration. If you and I haven't met, I'm I'm Pastor Rick. I would love to chat with you after the service. I'll kind of be floating around up here. It'd be good to connect. Um, Also, as first service people, I want to let you know, feel free to make use of uh, the fellowship hall below the, uh, our sanctuary here. If you still want to mingle and hang out with others here in the church building, um, yeah, just make yourselves at home. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm some sort of like hyper Lent, like give up everything kind of person, although this, this year... Um, Maybe I'm taking it to an extreme. I don't know, because last week I talked about the food that I've been giving up. Um, but I, I also did something that is honestly been a little bit painful and difficult, but I've given up a lot of just apps on my phone. So I've taken away like all the social media apps, all the news apps, uh, any like of those like little piddly like pocket games and stuff, like all of that is off my phone. And I even renamed my phone. It used to be called Rick's Magic Phone, but now I've renamed it Rick's Boring Phone. Because um, it's, it's really boring. And one of my friends is like, well, then why even have a cell phone? And it's like, well, I, I still do make calls and I listen to music, you know, sort of normal things that... Anyway, so it, it, it's... Um, yeah, I've been, I've been eliminating everything that sort of can be labeled as like time-wasting or, you know, doom-scrolling is kind of the phrase that, that we've come to uh, familiarize ourselves with. Now, this is kind of silly, but, you know, in those downtimes that I have throughout the day, I'll still pull out my phone, I'll swipe to open it up, and then I'll just kind of stare at it for a while. <laughs> Like, it's really weird. Like, you know, on one level, it's funny, you know, because I, I stare at it just like this bozo, you know, and, and my brain is, like, trying to figure out, like, what is this new reality that we're, <laughs> that we're in, you know? Like, why isn't flip-flop solitaire on my phone anymore, you know? But on, on another level, it, it's kind of sad because this, this inner sort of, like, shame starts to, like, creep up from within me, and I start to realize, like, wow. I look at my phone a lot. Like what sort of, you know, habits have I been forming in myself over the years to where my brain just, oh, boredom, bloop, pull out the phone, you know? Like I'm realizing I look at my phone a lot. And, you know, what have I missed out on because of that? Like what sort of like daydreaming or just looking out the window and, and enjoying like birds chirping or, or my children who are growing up so quickly? You know, like what sort of things have I missed out on? You know, this, this shame kind of bubbles up um, because of this Lenten fast. So this is the season of Lent that we're in right now. And as you've heard me say many times now, this is a 40-day spiritual pilgrimage with Jesus that we are all taking together. We're moving from the wilderness and going to Jerusalem, going to the cross with Christ. And one of the things that we do during this time is we fast from things. And it's not unusual for our fasting to kind of stir up shame from within us. We see this shame bubbling up. Maybe you've had a similar experience as you've maybe perhaps given up uh, chocolate or something, and you're like, oh my goodness, like, I like chocolate a lot, you know? 
We have this shame, this guilt, this reproach that bubbles up from within us. Now, it's one thing to kind of talk about the shame from uh, uh, that a cell phone might cause, but one of the harsh realities of this world is that shame is actually a normal part of our lives. We all carry with us shame from relationships that didn't go the way that we had hoped, or shame from addictions that seem impossible for us to shake off, or shame from those unwanted thought patterns that restrict us from living a whole, complete life. And for many of us, that shame sort of becomes a a part of our identity. It's almost like it's a robe that we clothe ourselves with, that we walk around wearing all the time. Well, there's also a second element to Lent. Lent is also a 40-day study of the gospel. Because not only are we confronted with our shame, we're confronted by the extreme and abundant grace of God. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was dead, now I'm alive. I'm bl- I was blind, but now I see. And so for today's Lenten message, I actually want to look at our passage from the book of Joshua that we read this morning. The book of Joshua is a Lenten journey, is it not? They have been moving through the wilderness. This is a story of shame. This is a story of reproach being rolled away. It's a story of God's abundant grace. So let's dive into this passage. So the Jews have been wandering the wilderness for 40 years. But this present generation, as as the text explains to us, is not the generation that was originally a part of that grand exodus back in Egypt. They didn't have those experiences Uh, to remember. They didn't witness the 10 plagues. They didn't witness the first Passover meal. They didn't witness the parting of the Red Sea. But here, at Gilgal, that changes. Just as the previous generation had walked through the Red Sea on dry ground, so now this new generation is walking through the River Jordan on dry ground. So do you see what's happening here in this moment? God is grafting them into his grand rescue story. He's showing them quite, quite visibly, quite miraculously, I am the same God who rescued your fathers and mothers out of Egypt, and I will protect you also here and now in your new home. A new generation is meeting the faithful God. And it culminates with the rite of circumcision. There in verse 2, we read that the Lord tells them to make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel. Now, flint is a, it's a kind of rock. I'm not sure if you've ever uh, used flint before. It's extremely sharp. Uh, hopefully you didn't use it for circumcision. <laughs> it's extremely sharp, it's a strong rock. If you strike flint against something else, it'll, it'll usually cause sparks to fly. It's, it's what you use to start fires. In circumcision, this is a, a mark upon the body saying that they belong to God. And without circumcision, they weren't allowed to participate in Jewish worship. If you weren't circumcised, you you couldn't enter into the temple. You couldn't enter into the holy places. You couldn't participate in religious ceremonies. If you weren't circumcised, or if the man of your house wasn't circumcised, you couldn't celebrate the Passover feast with everyone else. So this is a moment here at Gilgal where the Lord is grafting them into his story and he's telling them, I am claiming you. You are my people, is what he's saying here. As one scholar put it, God is rebooting his covenant relationship between himself and the people of Israel. 
Here at Gilgal, promises are fulfilled. They are claimed by God. But that is not all. In verse 9, the Lord tells the people, Today I have rolled away the reproach from you, the reproach of Egypt from you. I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So reproach isn't really a word that we use very often. I mean, when was the last time you, you told someone, I reproach you, you know? Um, it's not a common word. But to reproach some, someone means that you, you straight up rebuke them. You know, it is a harsh rebuke. It's a way of scolding them. It's a way of, of uh, roasting someone or chiding them or cascading them away from the community. And if you yourself feel reproach, the subject of reproach, then that probably means that you also feel like you straight up deserve it, that you deserve the shame, you deserve the scolding, you deserve the slap in the face you might feel. So why would the Jews feel reproach of Egypt? Well, for a couple of reasons. One, for 400 years, they were owned. For 400 years, they were controlled and harassed by the Egyptians. The Egyptians enslaved the Jews. They objectified their bodies. They subjugated them to forced labor. And don't forget that the Jews were, had to have been shaped by this mindset for 400 years. And so no doubt the lies that they heard from the Egyptians had soaked into their very bones shaping the way that they relate and communicate with one another, shaping their entire culture with one another. They had come to view themselves as dirty, as subhuman, as worthless, as shameful. That's one reason why they carried reproach. But also they themselves had made a lot of bad decisions as they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They grumbled against God's miraculous provisions. They sinned against God sexually. They built their own fake gods, and then they bowed down before those fake gods. So the Jews had sinned, and they sinned in completely deplorable ways. So no doubt, they felt the reproach. They felt felt that, that reproach sort of following them around wherever they went throughout the wilderness. And we read that the Lord rolls away their reproach. Do you know what the word Gilgal means? And Stephen, who did the reading, you can actually verify this. Gilgal, it sounds like the Hebrew word for to roll away, right? Great, I got a thumbs up from Stephen. That means we're good, yeah. He's our resident Hebrew scholar. (laughs) So you know those like little rubber bouncing balls um, that that kids love to play with? Uh, This has nothing to do with the sermon, but back when we were in the community center days, the bouncy ball thing does. I'll come back to that. Um, But Karis was in the front row, and she was bouncing one of those bouncy balls. And as I was, like, presiding over the table, it literally, like, rolled between my feet. And I was like, all right, yeah. (laughs) You know what? I will tie that back. Okay. So... So imagine, like, what happens when you're playing with one of those bouncy balls outside? It's like a a guaranteed disaster, right? Because that bouncy ball, you're going to throw it. You're going to give it a solid bounce, and it is going to roll away forever into oblivion. And that is exactly what the Lord does here with their reproach. You could say it was taken to the altar, you know. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) that was a bit of a stretch. But the, the reproach of the Egyptians are rolled away. All the lies that the Egyptians had hurled at the Jews, all the shame that they had felt for being enslaved for generations, 
All the guilt for failing over and over and over again in the wilderness, that reproach gets rolled away down the hill, never to be seen again. In other words, you could say that the people are completely cleansed from their reproach. They are made clean. They are made free. Their reproach moves away. In verse 10, we then see that they kept the Passover. They get to keep the Passover feast. So not only does God claim them, not only does God clean them, but he also celebrates with them. The Passover feast is this grand celebration. In the Passover, they they look behind themselves and they look forward. They look behind themselves and they remember those events in which God shook the Egyptians to the core and how he protected the Jews by the blood of the lamb that was over their doorposts. And at Passover, they remember the goodness of God, that they were able to escape escape into freedom. But also the Passover feast causes them to look forward as well. Just as God has brought them from Egypt to here, to Gilgal, on the other side of the Jordan, so too he will bring them into this land of, of many and mighty enemies, but he will bring them there and he will establish them here in this land as well. This is a grand feast celebrating that they worship the God who fulfills promises. They are claimed by God. They are cleaned by God. And they celebrate with God. So what does this ancient, Old Testament, bizarre story have anything to do with us? Well, actually, this is a story that we hear over and over and over again in the Holy Scriptures. We read it in that beautiful passage from Luke this morning, right? the story of the prodigal son, when he's away in the wilderness and he remembers that he has been claimed by his father, that he still has that relationship that he can, that he can lean on. Now, he thinks he's about to be rejected, but he's right to realize that he is still a son of a great father. And so what happens when he returns home? His reproach is removed from him. He's clothed with the finest robe. He's sealed with the family ring. His father cleans off the filth and the shame that he had experienced. And then they celebrate with one another. The fattened calf is slaughtered. They eat really good food. (laughs) They slaughter the fattened calf and they call in the whole neighborhood into the celebration. Ours is a God who loves to take away reproach and throw a grand celebration. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of his abundant love. So what's the reproach that you carry with you? What's the reproach of your story? I'll tell you mine. So several of you know that when I was a small child, uh, my father decided to check out from this life. He decided to, to leave all of us. And there was a time in my life when I would have traced every major decision that I had ever felt, every um, sort of characteristic of my personality, every strength, every weakness, I would have traced it back to that one event. That event, I thought, defined myself. I thought that it shaped who I was. Both, it not only described my past, but it described where I was going. But in the presence of many spiritual mothers and fathers, including a wonderful adoptive father that the Lord brought into my life, the Lord showed me that it doesn't have to be that way. I felt like the Holy Spirit, through this this chorus of of faithful Christians and believers and people who love me, I felt like they were all saying, or the Holy Spirit was saying to me through them, what if you define yourself not by your earthly father, 
but by your heavenly Father's love. And that gospel reality utterly transformed my life. God rolled away the reproach that I had carried with me wherever I went. And that is what we proclaim here every single week. This is a gospel reality that we proclaim here, that ours is a God who restores life. He takes our brokenness and he gives us joy. He gives us peace and hope and healing. You see, friends, Jesus is the one who rolls away our reproach. Just as the Jews were led by Joshua through the waters of the Jordan, we too, by Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth, he leads us through the waters of baptism. It's one of the reasons why we have the baptismal font at the back of the sanctuary. As you're coming in, we're reminded the fact that Jesus Christ cleanses us. And in those waters we are circumcised, not with a rock, not with a knife made out of rock, but by the solid rock who is Jesus the Christ. Jesus removes the reproach of our sin from us. No longer do we carry with us the mockery of our previous owners, our previous lives, but now we are clothed in the robes of righteousness as we walk as people who are freed from slavery. And then every single week we feast with the Lord. Here at the Lord's table, our souls receive morsels of his grace. We are spiritually nourished by Jesus Christ himself and empowered for the journey ahead. We look back and we're reminded of his sacrifice, what he gave up for us. And we look forward anticipating his future glory. So who in your life needs to hear these gospel truths? Who in your life needs to be introduced to Jesus Christ who rolls away our reproach and invites us to feast with him all the time? Maybe it's you. Maybe it's your own heart that needs to hear this. What's the reproach that clings to you? What is the shame that controls your thoughts and steers your heart? Because brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ deals with it at the cross. That's what Lent is about. This isn't works righteousness or, or any just you know, trying to earn God's favor. No, it is a celebration of the gospel itself that Jesus Christ deals with sin. At the cross, he has defeated it and take it, takes it away. And he invites you to feast with him. Don't be fooled by the fact that it's just a small piece of crumbly bread. There is power, there is gospel power, there is grace in that. We abide in him and he abides in us. So this morning as you come forward and as you receive from the Lord Jesus Christ today, may you be reminded that he takes away your shame. He takes away your shame and he fills you with joy and gladness and his grace. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, You are the rock upon whom we lean. Lord, you purify us, you cleanse us, and you clothe us in your own righteousness. So Lord, continue to feed us with your grace that we might be shaped more and more into your likeness. And help us to proclaim this truth both to our own hearts and to one another, but then also those, Lord, who do not know you. Lord, may we proclaim the truth that you are the God who restores our souls. We pray all this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.